And the reading this morning is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Thank you, Lord, for being with us today. Pray, Lord, an anointing on your word. Speak to our hearts, Father, in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, just bring your anointing as I bring this word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Many of you know I've been to New Zealand, don't you? Or didn't you miss me from November till March while I was away? (laughs) And uh, I went to visit my daughter in Auckland, had a lovely time with them. And I also went to Christchurch. Um, I've not been there for 33 years. And there's a lot of things that happened in this trip that made me think about time. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. And Debbie was brilliant with that rope. I might as well not bother. <laughs> she, she brought that lovely message. Um, so... When I went to, to Christchurch, where I used to live, and I saw people I haven't seen for all that time, 30-odd years, and do you know, they all look just the same. And I thought, oh, I feel like I've come to heaven. It was lovely. They put a special thing on for me. I went to my old church. I met all my friends that I knew there. And it was just like no time had passed Do you ever experience that with people? Do you ever experience seeing people you've not seen for ages and suddenly it's just like no time had passed? And I thought, I wonder what I must look like to them. (laughs) Do I look older? But anyway, 
to get there is a long way. You've got to go right around the world. And on the plane, the first flight was six hours. Six hours flying. And then get off that plane and the Russia crossed the airport to catch another plane, which was 16 hours. After eight hours, I thought, I've had enough of this now. <laughs> and I said to this lady, I said, I think I'm going to the moon. It's going on so long. And it, it, all this got me thinking, I must be a time traveller. Because right now in New Zealand, it's tomorrow. Yeah? And we're in today. But when I came back, I came back to yesterday. To get it, I felt like a time traveller. And there was a lady on the plane, she must have had a birthday, I don't know how many times, because we just kept flying into the day. Anyway, all this made me think about time. And Julie read beautifully for us Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And it, it, the first verse, I mean, I'm not going to read it all again because you've heard it, but the first verse really gets me. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. A season and a time. I had a season in New Zealand and a time while you were all here shoveling the snow, I was in the lovely sunshine. And I'm wondering if we're going to get any here because I keep waiting for it, you know. <laughs> it was so beautiful. But there's a time and a season for everything that happens in our lives. That was a season for me, a gift that God gave me. I kept saying, Lord, why are you taking me there? What's all this about? And he said, it's just a gift. It's just a gift. And God's good like that, isn't he? He just gives us gifts that cause us to think how wonderful he is and our worship, how wonderful he is. And the time and a purpose a word. So we've got season, time, and purpose. Three words there which are very wonderful words. I like words, do you? I love words. I'm always looking them up. I've not got a very big vocabulary, but I love words. And this word season, Hebrew word, is a moed. Moed, and it means an appointment, you know. If you're going to see the doctor or you're going to the dentist, you'd say, Annie moed, I have a moed in Hebrew, yeah? A time and an appointment. God gives us times and appointments in our life. That rope that Debbie had with the little black bit at one end, the length of our life compared to eternity. I'm going to come into that as I speak to you this morning. I'm just warming myself up, you know. (laughs) And there's two Greek words as well, kairos and chronos. Kairos is the word for, anybody know? Do you know, Robert? The word for kairos, season. And chronos is the word, can you guess? What? Say again. Somebody said, what did you say? Time. Tick-tock of the clock. Chronos, chronological. The tick-tock of the clock. So God has set things in motion for all our lives that have times and seasons. You know, when you were young, can you remember? I don't know if I can remember, but when you were young and you fell in love, you had a season, didn't you? A season of being in love, that person. My granddaughter is in love at the moment. And, you know, it's all about Josh. 
this is about Josh and that's about Josh and she's in love and she can't see anything else only the guy she's in love with do you remember that? do you remember being in love? it's a strange thing isn't it that happens I think it's someone kidding you sometimes but it's nice if you can keep that relationship isn't it? So there's a chronos and there's a kairos, there's a tick-tock of the clock, there's a time for everything under sun, under the sun, it says, for every purpose under heaven, there is a time, there is a season. And I want you to think about that. You know, kids, they have no concept of time, do they? Children, you know, when Debbie was asking them things about time, they don't, little children don't have a concept, it's just another day, it's just another morning when they get up. It's, you can't explain time to a child. You know, if it's the birthday coming, I bring Alexis and Maria to church, uh, and Mia to church every week. And Alexis is constantly telling me she's going to be 10 soon, but she's not. She's only just seven. She's going to be eight in July, I think. But she's constantly telling me she's going to be 10, and I say, you're not going to be 10, Alexis. You know, children, they just don't have a concept of, you know, when birthdays come and things like that, they don't realise there's space in between, do they? You know, I think it's great when they get the idea that, you know, they're getting presents. <laughs> That's when they cotton on to birthdays. But time, we've all got time in our lives. We're all doing things. We're creatures of time. And we're always looking at our watches, looking at the clock. What time is it? Quarter past. What time is it? Quarter past. Looking at our watches, checking the time. When I was on that plane, I kept checking the time and I kept thinking, no, I'm not there yet. It's taking ages to get there. I think if I'd have walked, I might have done it faster. But anyway, it took ages. So we're all creatures of time and we're always looking at time. We're always considering time. I think about 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 and it says, The things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What an amazing statement there that Paul wrote. The things that are seen. So everything you can see, the chair next to you, all this is temporal. It's not going to last. This building might have been here a long time. It might be here another long time. But eventually it won't last. You know, you see these programs on the television where they're looking at ruins. Time has taken its toll on that which was a building at one time. The things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. And I love that white bit of rope that went on and on and on and on, because that's what eternity is. It's out of time. It doesn't have time. It's not got the tick-tock of the clock. We've got that to look forward to. We've got to look forward to the unseen things, the things that God has purposed for us in eternity. In Psalm 19, verse 2, it says that God is eternal. He's from everlasting to everlasting. It's an interesting psalm, that, because when you get down to um, verse 10 and 12, it places us in time. It says that God puts eternity in our hearts. We are placed in time. But those of us who are born again believers have eternal life. If you're not born again today, you need to come to Jesus and ask him to come into your heart because you'll experience eternity here. 
So I see time as a gift. And sometimes we have to wait for things to happen, don't we? The tick-tock of the clock goes on. Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant. This is just amazing to me. Jesus came into time. He was living in eternity. Imagine living in eternity and just laying it aside. The Bible says he laid aside his glory and he took upon himself the form of a servant. He had to come into this world through the same way you and I had to come into this world. He had to be formed in his mother's womb. He had to be born. He had to take flesh upon himself to be in this world. He became, he took upon himself the form of a servant and he was made in the likeness of men. Philippians 2 verse 7. He had to do this to bring redemption for us. If Jesus hadn't come into time, would we have been saved? If Jesus hadn't become a man and experienced all the things through his childhood, through his growing up years, as he walked this earth, that we experience, he couldn't be a saviour. He had to know all the things that we know. He had to know and feel all the things that you and I feel. He had to do that to be our redeemer. God became man. He came down into time. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas, isn't it? God coming down into time and becoming a man. And he had to do this to, for our redemption. If we just look at, um, if you've got your Bibles handy, um, 1 Corinthians 15 is one of my favourite chapters. I'm not going to read it all because it's very big, but I'm just going to read a few verses. Verse 14 says, If Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is also vain. In other words, Jesus had to be the one that came and died for us. He was God himself in the flesh. Imagine, can we get our minds round it? And then it goes on to say in verse 17, If Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain and you are still in your sin. Thank God Jesus rose from the dead. Thank God that we have a redeemer. And then it goes on to say um, in verse 20, Oh, verse 19, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. If our, if in that short black bit of that rope that Debbie had, time, if that's the only place we have hope, if we only come to church because we only have hope in this time, if it's just a social club while well, you're wasting your time, this is not a social club. This is a body of believers. We have to come to church because we come to worship God, because we know there's an eternity. And it goes on to say, because I don't want you to be of all men most miserable, I want you to know the truth of this book that's before me. And I believe it. God said it, and that settles it. It says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since man, by man came death, that was Adam, 
and by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, but even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Sorry, I always cry when I get to a good bit. Jesus is the prototype. This word first fruits is prototype. He's the first fruits of something new, something that never happened before. No one else died and rose from the dead with the power of an endless life like Jesus did. And you know what? He's the first fruits. He's the prototype of what you and me will be. You might look in the mirror and not think you look very good, but when you know Jesus, you're going to look good. When I went to visit my friends in Christchurch, I couldn't believe it. They all looked just the same. I thought it's just like a bit of heaven, this. None of them looked older 33 years later. None of them, even the pastor and his wife, who were 90, were wonderful. I thought, what are you doing, God? What are you showing me? He was showing me that in Christ we have eternal life. Jesus became the first fruit, the prototype of those that slept of the new creation order. I'm glad I'm part of that new creation order. I truly am. Wonderful stuff. Let me see what else it says, because there's lots of things here. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Afterwards, they that are Christ, that's me. If you're one of them, put your hand up. They that are Christ will follow him. Do you know it's a funny thing that's going to happen? We're going to be caught up to be with him in the air when he comes back. When Jesus rose from the dead, he raised in a different body. He raised in a body of flesh, but his body was different molecular structure. It could go into rooms and vanish. It could walk through walls. When the disciples were in the upper room and everything was shut, he came in the room. How did he do that? Even though he had a body of flesh, he was of a new creation order. He was made in a different molecular structure in his resurrection. I wish I understood it. I don't. I'm not a scientist. I even got this book by Stephen Hawking to read a brief history of time. It told me a few good things, but it didn't tell me everything. You know, they say he wasn't a Christian, this guy. And he doesn't, didn't never declare himself to be a Christian. But if you read this, he talks about God like he knew him. Strange. Anyway, back to 1 Corinthians. It says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Anybody feel like you're bothered by corruption? We're all getting older. It is, it's sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Here's the clue. Jesus was raised in a spiritual body. And those of us who know him are going to have the same experience. Hallelujah. I just thank God for that. See, God's eternal. He sees everything. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes here. In one Tim, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, it says, you were in Christ before the foundations of the world. Can you believe that? You were at you, Gary, were actually in Jesus before the foundations of the world. It's a strange one, isn't it? There's some funny things in this book. It takes faith to believe it and accept it. 
Wonderful stuff. I love the Bible. I've not been talking very long, but I've managed to get in what I've got to say. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. I love this bit of the Bible, can't you tell? It's all falling to pieces. People whose Bibles are falling to pieces aren't. Should read your Bible every day. I've got a verse now coming every day on my phone. It's really good. It tells me, it bleeps my phone and tells me, you've got a verse today. And I can look at the verse from the scripture. Apart from the fact that Gary puts one on Facebook every day, don't you? <laughs> so we're looking at Genesis 1 now. You know, for the first three days that God was creating, the first three days of time, the word yom is the word for day. Still used by the Jews today, yom. So today is yom rishon, the first day. Not, it's, they've just had the Shabbat on the Saturday. That's the seventh day. Yes, yeah, so Yom Rishon, Yom Shini, Yom Shlishi, those are the way they name their days, just like God did here in Genesis. But God made, it says, it says, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out of form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, Let there be light. He hadn't created the sun and the moon yet. He didn't do that till the first day. So what was the light? What was the light that he was shining? It was his own light. He is light. And in him there's no darkness at all. There's no shadow of turning with God. You know, the light might be shining on me and there's a shadow here behind me. But with God, he's all complete light. And he's outside of time in eternity. He's not in time like we are. I mean, you might be thinking now about what you've got to do tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know what's going through your mind. You might not even be listening to me. I might just be blathering on. But anyway, I'm going to continue. He didn't put the light on until the fourth day. He said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light. That it was good. How amazing. You know, where did that light go when God put the sun and the moon and all the planets, which are wonderful, in the solar system? I always think about the earth. How does it stay up? You know, the Buddhists believe there's all these turtles holding it up, don't they, that go on forever and ever. Is it Buddhists? I don't know. But some religion believe that it's all these turtles underneath the earth holding it up. No, it just it's just there because of gravity. It's an amazing thing. And I think, what would we do if suddenly the earth went, slipped down? What would we do? Do we ever think about this wonderful planet that we live on? And where I flew around on planes going through time. I'm a time traveler, you know. I flew around on planes going through time. There and back. I thought to myself this morning, oh, I wish I was in New Zealand. It's wonderful. And I thought, no, I don't fancy the journey. It goes on too long. But nevertheless, I was a time traveler. I flew into yesterday. I flew into tomorrow. I flew back. I was flying through time. And here's God making all these things with only his own light in those first three days. His own light. It must have just, you know, I think of the earth all a mess and everything and God turning around 
Because I don't think he created it a mess, personally. You might have different viewpoints, that's fine. I don't believe God created the earth a mess. It says that the earth was without form and void. Those two words in Hebrew are tohu vabohu. Now, if you want to know what tohu vabohu is, if you've got teenagers or you've had teenagers or you've had kids and you go in their bedroom, it's usually tohu vabohu, upside down, inside out, and a big mess. You might not need kids to do that. You know, my bedroom's wonderful. It's very tohu vabohu. <laughs> I shut the door on it. But the earth was tohu vabohu. And it says it was, but the actual word there in Hebrew is became. It, I studied Hebrew to know what this actually said. I'd say it for you in Hebrew if you want, but you wouldn't understand. <laughs> the earth became without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. God never created the earth like that. When he first created it, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was perfect. It became tohu vabohu. It's another story why that happened. But then God turned on the light. He opened his coat. He went from turning his back on the world to open his coat to let the light shine and began re-establishing the earth. God made it and he said it was good. You know, the Jews have this saying that this first light, they call it primordial light, I think. That's a bit of a big word, I'm not sure. But they call it that. And the Jews say that when God turned on the light with the sun, moon and the stars, that he took that first light and where did he put it? They say he put it into the Torah, the word of God. And we need light to understand it. We need his light to shine so we can understand it. One of the things when I was preparing this, I got this book anyway, Stephen Hawkins, and he's talking. I got it to find out what he had to say about light, you know. Very interesting. Are you interested? I know it's not Bible, but it is interesting. He said, Einstein's famous equation, E equals MC squared. I always thought that was a really difficult thing to understand. But it's dead easy, really. It's E, which is energy, M, which is mass, and C, which is the speed of light. You all know what that is, don't you? And it says that nothing can travel faster than the speed of light because it gets heavier. The mass of what's travelling gets heavier and heavier. While 90% of the speed of light would be more than twice its normal mass. So if if we could travel that fast, even when I was in the plane we didn't travel that fast. If we were travelling that fast, we'd get heavier and heavier and heavier. And we'd never reach the speed of light because we're locked into time. We're locked into time. Our bodies that we're in are locked into time. Eventually, when we go home to Jesus, we leave this behind because it won't go with us. We need a spiritual body to be able to get there. Do you follow what I'm saying? For this reason, any normal object is forever confined by relativity to move at speeds slower than the speed of light. Only light and other waves of no intrinsic mass that's the spirit as well, can move at the speed of light. I thought that was proper good. I don't know what you think. I thought that was really good. So 
we know that in this body we can't go to the speed of light. But when we, when we get saved and Jesus comes into our life, we've got some light in us. We've got a little bit of that eternity in us. So when we read this book, it's not just a dead book. It lives. It's the word of God. So I'm going to go just one more book, which is the book of Hebrews. Where am I? That's not it. I've got that many things stuck in my Bible. I don't know where I'm at. Hebrews, which is at the back of your book. And in chapter 3, um, the writer is saying, verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, Today, if you will hear his voice, obey. Today, harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation. And then we go further down that text to verse 13. But exhort one another daily. That's what we've got to do. We've got to exhort one another daily. And say, well, it is called today. You know, one time I was looking at this and God said to me, do you know I've got a watch? I said, have you, Lord? He said, do you want to see it? I said, yeah, I'd love to see it. Expecting it to be a Rolex or something wonderful, you know. And he showed me his watch. And do you know what? It said, today, today, today. Why? Because God is eternal, eternity, in eternity. And he says, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. And then it goes on in in chapter 4. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time, it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. I think that's wonderful. Today. God is saying to you today, what's happening in your heart today? Where are you today? Have you received Jesus and allowed his eternity to come into your life? Today. He's giving you a new day. Today, let God's light come in. Today, have a fresh start with God. Amen.